Hello everyone and welcome to today's Mindset and Performance Coach podcast. Today I'm speaking with Mel Tempest, who a lot of you will know uh, as an industry influencer. So Mel's done some great work, aligned herself with some of the best in the industry and really looking to help us make positive change and have a greater impact on our population in terms of preventative health. And what inspired this uh, conversation today, I'm sure a lot of you would have seen the post I put up uh, last week that talked about the fact that there's issues with social media and the fitness industry and how a lot of young trainers are getting attacked for incompetence by these uh, so-called veterans. And what's resulting is a lot of personal trainers don't last 12 months and they're chewed up and spat out in terms of uh, being in the industry. And what's happening as a result of that, again, is the fact that we're not really having a, a very positive influence on the numbers in terms of preventative health. So today, Mel and I will be talking about some of those issues, some of the, the things that aren't working and, and sharing our perspectives on what can uh, be done or what are some steps that move us in the right direction to help us make some uh, positive change and, and move us in a, a new, better aligned position. So Mel, thanks for jumping on the podcast today. Uh, you're very welcome and thank you very much for asking me. I don't get to do this often at all. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mel. So Mel, you've got your own podcast as well. Do you want to tell the guys what your podcast is? Um, yeah, I run the Gym Owners Business uh, Network podcast and uh, we've been doing that for 12 months and that podcast started, Nathan, based on a little bit of encouragement and pushing from Thomas Plummer. Fantastic. I'm a big fan of Thomas Plummer and Thomas actually sponsors your podcast as well, doesn't he? He certainly does and it's also supported by MyZone and All Smiles Creative and CFM. So I'm very lucky to have those guys on board. Excellent. So let's jump straight into it, Mel. So you and I started talking as soon as that conversation came up and a lot of people reacted in terms of how social media is around. Uh, currently, our industry is seen by many as being quite uh, superficial. We're all about the bodies and the looks. And, and then you jump into forums where there's a lot of trainers who are supposed to be supporting each other. And it's very competitive and there's not too much collaboration. And, and my viewpoint was that some, this is one of the reasons why a lot of us don't last very long. And it's a shame because so many young trainers and, and individuals come into the industry wanting to help people, but it feels like the opportunity is not there and the system doesn't allow that to happen very well. So can you share some of your uh, feedback? Like obviously this, aligns with a lot of your beliefs, this conversation, and uh, just how, you know, the, the conversation that was going on sort of sparked something with you as well. Um, look, Nathan, as you know, I'm fairly opinionated, but when I do go out into the platforms, I don't go out to vilify anybody. However, I feel that there is a lot of bullying going on in the fitness business industry. And it's not just young people, it's also people in my age group and I'm in my, my early 50s. And I think it's really disappointing to see that in an industry where a lot of young people aspire to be like some of these people who are bullying, um, it's, not, uh, it's not inspirational at all. And I can totally understand why young people are departing the industry in their mid-20s. 
if this keeps going on, we aren't going to have an industry of health professionals to look after you know, our obese people, our people coming through with chronic illness, um, who are going to be the people that inspire the next generation coming up. Uh, every time I jump on social media, there is somebody putting somebody down or there's somebody pointing at somebody. We must remember that when we point at people, there's always a couple of fingers pointing back at ourselves. I'm a little bit over the keyboard warriors and I'm a little bit, um, or warriors I should say, and I'm a little bit over those that don't open the doors and allow opportunities for those that are talented. And we as an industry need to do something about it. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, social media has been great in some perspective, but also... Uh, can cause a lot of problems as well in terms of everyone wanting to throw their two cents in and not knowing the impact they're having with some of their statements sometimes. So in terms of the, the conversation that started, a few people were sharing their perspectives on some of the issues. And, and one of my friends, Nick, who's going to be on the podcast as well, was speaking about how when a new trainer is brought into a commercial club, and in Australia we've got clubs like Good Life, Fitness First, um, we've got Genesis and a lot of these um, smaller chains like these 24-hour gyms like Snap Anytime, Go Health, and people are put into a model where they're basically having to pay 12 months rent and generate a successful business. And, you know, that's another reason why sometimes people don't succeed. Would you agree with that, Mel? Yeah, um, are you, I just need to clarify something with you. Are you telling me that we have personal trainers starting up in the industry that are paying rent 12 months ahead or they have to commit to 12 months rent? They have to commit to 12 months rent. They have to commit to... And what sort of... I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions. What sort of business training are these guys getting from these franchise chains? So the way it tends to work, I can't speak on behalf of all of them, but what I've seen and what I'm preview to is there's a position of a personal training manager or fitness director that has the role of bringing in as many trainers as possible to service the members. And then their responsibility is to help guide them through the process of generating uh, leads through things like kickstarts. When someone joins a facility, they're often given three free personal training sessions and it's up to the trainer to take them through a system for them to become a client. And then that personal training manager also, or sorry, fitness director uh, helps them set up um, a direct debit system or, and basically some, some basic client management. Okay. So, so Sorry. So first of all, I think taking somebody on straight away into a contract position, I feel is wrong. I think that young trainers coming into the industry need to be put on some type of, uh, I'll use the word apprenticeship within the club, where they receive at least, you know, 12 months mentoring or six months mentoring, depending on how gifted they are, because you and I both know some trainers can just roll into the industry and it all happens for them. And then there's some trainers that that doesn't happen for. Um, the other thing is trainers also need to understand that they're not going to break even straight away too, so that there's a positive side to, to being an apprentice and there's nothing wrong with being an apprentice. Um, you know, we expect them to, to develop a business and run a business and, and take a wage all before they open. And, you know, there's no education in setting up a business, um, how long it will take to to turn a, a corner that there's nothing for these for these young guys coming in so i'm a big believer that you know 
once they complete, so let's say Cert 3, Cert 4, this is just a stepping stone. This is just a foundation. And the franchise chains need to be accountable for these guys in terms of taking them on in an apprenticeship role. They shouldn't be taking them on in a contractor role. Um, you know, would we do that to, to hairdressers? You know, don't, you know, doctors and lawyers and physios and podiatrists, don't they all need to serve their time before they're put into a position of trust and employment? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so why why is there an exception with personal trainers, you know, you know, poor Joe finishes his course on Friday. He's all excited about getting into the industry. The media portrays being a personal trainer as glamorous and that's totally, totally falsified, as we all know. And then we throw them into this jungle. And I know that there's some great franchises out there that do have some great systems in place, but there's also some franchises that have some very poor systems in place and they don't mentor the clients, sorry, the, the trainers. They do leave them on their own. And I think what's happening is these poor guys are then turning to um, people who call themselves fitness business coaches who are asking them for money and who are then telling them that they're going to make them millionaires within six to 12 months. And this doesn't happen for them. And these young guys are borrowing money off their parents or whatever it is that they're doing to keep these, um, you know, the, the coaching doors open for them. And then it's just not happening for them. And usually within 12 to 18 months, they just say, look, I gave it a go. I'm out of here. I need to go to work and I need to pay bills. So I think the industry as a whole, needs to be responsible for these young guys coming out of the RTOs. They need to, um, clubs need to put them on as apprentices. And I think um, business coaches also need to be accountable when they're taking money off these young people. A point you made there was around the apprenticeship model and part of the RTO requirements is that these young trainers get some practical hours. And uh, I think what happens is sometimes they go and they do their work experience, but a lot of the time they end up, I remember when I went through uh, my qualifications, I was doing a lot of vacuuming and cleaning around the gym. And, oh, uh, absolutely, Nathan. And this still goes on. You know that. And I know that. Look, I have it happened in my own club. I'm not going to say that everybody that comes into my club is taken under my wing or, or one of my senior PTs wing. That's not the real world of it. You and I both know that if you're a 24-7 club let's say that you've got staff on deck for 12 hours of those days those young guys aren't going to be doing 12 programs they aren't going to be sitting in on 12 sessions a day that's not going to happen i mean these guys aren't even getting paid for their practical their practical hours yet yet secondary education says that when we take on work experience students we have to pay those young guys for coming in for work experience that's a great so perhaps what so perhaps what's needed is that we say to these guys, okay, um, let's say hypothetically you've got to do 40, uh, 40 hours practical placement at Padafu or Cert 4 and um, you need to do an additional 40 hours where, where the, the employer of the club needs to, to pay you X amount of dollars per hour because, you know, we can't be going around sprouting Free labour is wrong. Free labour is wrong in the third world countries, but here we are doing it right here. Right here. We're doing it when these young guys come in. Um, and, you know, as for vacuuming and cleaning, yeah, we're all guilty of that. But we have staff in the club that are paid to do that. We are supposed to be educating these practical placement students so that they have the skill to go out there and do the right thing. Yeah, yeah.
One of the things that I'm seeing happening a lot of, Mel, is there's an organisation known as ASCA, the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association. And the way they operate is you go through and you have to get your 40 hours signed off by qualified ASCA. So there's ASCA level one, two and three. And there's a bit of a trend in a lot of personal trainers starting to move across to trying to move into sport because they're hoping it's a bit of a different situation than what occurs in the, the health and, oh, sorry, the personal training space. And uh, there's a lot of, like I probably get six or seven applications a month for people to come and do mentoring with me, but it's a big responsibility. You have to write reports and there's all this stuff you have to go through. Like there's a structured thing on um, systems, on practical hours, facilitating warm-ups for a team. And it's very, very specific. So do you think uh, this practical apprenticeship should be a little bit more structured in terms of what's, what's laid out and then the providers are better educated on how to facilitate that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fitness industry is the health industry. We are playing with people's mindset. We are playing with people's lives. We are, we are making a difference. What we prescribe to people every day can be the difference between failure and success for them in life in general. That's the reality of it. It needs to be stricter. And, you know, I, for those that do take people on in the apprenticeship role and, and make them do the work for 12 months and then take them on into an employee position, I think those people are absolutely fantastic. The guidelines need to be stricter. But you and I both know that this is a self-regulated industry. Who do we answer to? Nobody. So who's going to do this? How's this going to happen? Can you explain what self-regulated means, Mel? In layman's terms, self-regulated means that every single person out there in the fitness industry can do what they bloody well want. Mm. That's the reality. Of, that's the reality of it. The reality of it. You know, there's there's three associations out there at the moment: Fitness Australia, FitRec, and Physical Activity Australia. You don't need to be a member of any of those associations to work in the fitness industry. You don't need to answer to anybody. The only person that you need to answer to whilst you're working in the fitness industry is the ATO. Yeah. And that's it. You know that and I know that. So for some of the people listening who aren't really sure what this means, it's like there's a, these bodies that people can register with but what's the benefit for the trainer in registering with these bodies? Like what's, if it's self-regulated and it's not a requirement, what should the benefit be? All right, so each association offers a completely different business model. So I would say that anybody that's listening to go visit all three and to have a look at what they offer. I'm not up to date with Ben at Physical Activity Australia, but I can say I only ever hear positive stuff about them. With FitRec, in, in layman's terms, they allow each fitness professional to create their own profile across their platform where any of the continuing education that they have done is displayed up there and they get recognition for that continuing education and they're able to display themselves as a fitness professional where somebody like myself can go along and have a look 
Outside of that, um, obviously they have a very large database where you can place your name on that if you're seeking work where, again, employees like myself can come along and have a look. They do um, offer, um, you know, <laughs> access to training where if you're a, a member of FitRec, um, you get discounts. But they're not, they're not, they don't go out there and publicly say, you have to be a member of FitRec to work in the industry. And this is where I'm not happy with what Fitness Australia says. They, they go out there and they do say, you do have to be a member of Fitness Australia to, to work in the industry. Now, I'm just going to make something very, very clear whilst we're on the podcast, Nathan. I am a member of FitRec and I am a member of Fitness Australia. And I choose to be a, fit, a member of Fitness Australia so that I can keep up to date with what messages they're sending out into the industry and also so that I feel that I can have my opinion and keep them accountable when they are placing stuff onto social media. Um, for a fitness professional, look, each of those three businesses have great platforms in terms of education. You can go to them. You know, I have to say, yes, Fitness Australia does have some great information on there in regards to, you know, if you need to know information about insurance, if you need some templates to help you set up your business, if you're looking for other clubs that have uh, Fitness Australia, you know, trainers or the, the clubs are registered with Fitness Australia. They have all of that information on there and that's fantastic. But that should be free information that is accessible for anybody in the industry without having to be an, a, mem a member of an association. So, you know, that, that's what I can tell you or what I'm going to tell you on a podcast anyway in respect to those three associations. For new people coming into the industry, you have to do your homework. You have to say to yourself what's going to work for me and what's not going to work for me. As a new person coming into the industry, you do need to have somebody to fall back on. You do need a mentor, whether you use an association for that or you find a business coach. If you don't have anybody helping you within the club, I do suggest that you do align yourself with somebody to guide you and that you don't rely on some falsified information that is out there on social media platforms. That's the best way that I can answer your question, Nathan, without getting myself in trouble. Absolutely. So let's change gears for a sec, Mel. In Go for it to preventative health, like there's a lot of industries, like the medical industry, uh, as an example, when somebody's ill or something goes wrong, they'll go and see a doctor. Some people will go and have a general checkup, which is what you could deem being. Yeah. But primarily what we're doing is, our role is to help keep people healthy and get them into the best possible condition they can be, so they don't get ill, so they don't get all these issues that come along with being overweight and being sedentary. And there's all this research, there's too much research out there. But for some reason, we're not having much of an impact when you look at statistics. Everything out there, you could say, you know, the media might be doing a little bit of fear mongering. I'm not, I don't want to go into that, but possibly is there, what are, you, what are your perspectives now when it comes to the fact that there's so many health problems everywhere you can go like from our office here i could walk within a kilometer and be at maybe four or five independents and um, some major council health clubs but for some reason the preventive health model 
of the fitness industry isn't having the desired impact in terms of a um, national impact? Um, you know, Nathan, at the end of the day, it's just a simple answer. There's no education out there. It's as simple as that. Our, our, our trainers just don't have access to that, that education. I mean, have you ever considered the reason why we have such an obese society, such a high rise of chronic illness? It's because we as, we as an industry are spending too much time, time, you know, time trying to align ourselves with the supposed royalty of the industry instead of changing the landscape of the health industry. And, and that is to decrease obesity and chronic illness. Um, you know, if that's boring to you, then you need, you need to get out. We're spending too much time blowing our own horn instead of doing what we're trained at. That's changing the health and fitness of our community. And it all comes back to RTOs and we keep referring to RTOs and we don't have a choice because they are the first point of call where people go to get trained as personal trainers. Um, I think what we need to do as an industry now is start to create some type of platform or place of education where we can start to send our trainers where they can learn about obesity and learn about chronic illness. We need to be saying to all three associations, just not one, you know, physical activity, Fit Rec, Fitness Australia, we need you guys to start injecting funds so that into some type of um, network that we create where we can start to educate trainers. We are relying on your, you guys. Um, you know, we're paying all three associations. You need to start injecting funds back into the industry to help us. Not, not commercials. I'm not interested in your commercials. I'm not, in, not interested in what each of you do every day. I have no desire for that. I'm in the industry to impact lives, whether it's through my club or through being an influencer in the fitness business industry. So I'm calling on all three associations to come together and collaborate. And, you know, maybe let's, uh, I'll, you know, happy to work alongside yourselves. We're bringing the obesity revolution to um, Australia in um, August. Let's get some money off these three associations. Let's get, um, you know, 20 or 30 main clubs are here in Australia. Let's get them to a, a weekend uh, workshop where we can start to educate people on how, how to handle obese clients and clients with chronic illness. Uh, more people need to be directing themselves to strength over cancer. Here is an absolutely fantastic platform run by Robin Vincent. She's always putting out um, stuff on social media saying, I desperately need personal trainers to come and work with some of our clients, you know, that are going through cancer treatment. We have clubs all over Australia looking for people that want to take that training on board so we can set you guys up. So there's people out there that desperately need our help. We just need the funds injected so that the trainers can get the education. So if there's, there's funding available, we can help spread the, the key messages that are going to have an impact, right, that are going to compound and, and reach more of those individuals. So what about, what are, your, yeah. what are your thoughts, Mel, on community and socially, like in Australia, a lot of us in uh, busy towns, we often keep to ourselves, we go to work, we go home, unless you're involved in a team sport or some kind of social group, uh, a music group or something like that, you tend to keep to yourself. Do you think the community element of, of having some kind of collaboration with local councils and with local 
uh, bodies like sporting recreations that bring people in and get them part of that, get them in those conversations, having those uh, relationships will help spread those messages. Do you think from a community point of view that could be beneficial? That's where we need to start, Nathan. Yeah. If we want to make a, a change in the industry as a whole, you know, every single club owner, every single personal trainer needs to get off their backside and go out and start to work with their local community. Because when you start to do that, you start to create impact. Impact changes lives. Do it in your own backyard. Do it there first and then go and tell everybody what you did. And then people will come to you and they'll go, Nathan, how did you change the community of Ballarat? And Nathan goes out and tells his story, how he impacted so many lives and how many people are, are, are fitter for it. That, that is a better story to tell than, than some of the stuff that I'm seeing out there at the moment. So go create change in your own backyard. Imagine if we all did it. Seriously, imagine if every single community got up tomorrow and created something within their community, not just with sporting clubs, don't just go after the people that are already healthy and fit. Go out there to your Weight Watchers groups. Go out there and, and speak to people that are, you know, what about survivors of suicide? Go and align yourself with these groups. Go out and make a, a, a go speak at these places. Do it for free. You don't need the money. You know, sometimes you've got to go and, and pay back to your community when other people are coming through your clubs. You, you receive recognition and reward that way. Make an impact in your community and then go out and tell the rest of Australia what you did so they follow suit. Inspire people that way. People aren't interested in your five minutes of fame on social media, you know, the, the bodybuilding, the body sculpting. Nobody's interested in that. That's a small minority. As you said before, there are more people obese. There are more people suffering from chronic illness. These aren't older people. These are young people. These are kids in school. They, these are people that people, they need our help. And the only way that we're going to do that is to get off our backsides and go out into our own community and make change. Yeah. So starting in your own backyard and, and not always looking at it as a financial kicker but more along the lines of, of having the impact and then, you know, the finance can come along with that. And, uh, you know, when you start having more impact, people are going to seek you out anyway, right? Oh, look, Nathan, seriously, uh, uh, did you get into the fitness industry originally for money or for passion? Passion. 100%. So 100% and, and myself as well. I mean... I can tell you quite honestly, I've been doing coaching and influencing stuff for, what, three or four years now? And um, Thomas Plummer had to write me up a reference for an award that I got last year to apply for it. And he said, these are his words, Mel Tempest would have to be the worst fitness business coach that was ever put on this planet because she doesn't charge her clients. She gives her advice freely. I'm still yet to be paid. I get my, I get my, my reward through my club. I opened a club through passion. The rest I do because I believe everybody else deserves opportunity and if opportunity is gaining education from me, that, that's what I do. So stop worrying about the rewards because it's not about the dollars and cents and who's got the big toys at the end of the day. It's about making an impact. And if that's not what you're about, then you're in the wrong industry. Yeah. We've seen in a lot of health clubs that there becomes a bit of a price war, like you can get a 24-hour membership for under $10 and, and it's open all the time and the, 
the objective there was, right, well, if they can't afford it now, it's affordable. If they don't have the time now, the time's available. Why is that still not working? Why is it still not working? Jeez. That's a, that's a tough question to, to answer. I suppose it still comes back to the message that goes out there um, across the various platforms. I mean, who's sending these messages out? I mean, all right, there's a club, let's say, okay, it's $5 a week. And we all sit back and go, well, if they can't afford $5 a week, they're never going to be able to afford it. Perhaps maybe that $5 a week ad is attached to somebody that looks glamorous and gorgeous and beautiful and people feel intimidated by that. Maybe the message that's attached to the $5 a week is the wrong message. Does that make sense? So what would be a, a more productive um, message to go along with that five dollars a week. You think? All right. Well, why do you buy something at the shop? So, why do you buy something at the shop? So I think based on what I value and you know what I yeah. going yeah. help me to yeah. to enjoy myself. That's going to help me to uh, experience mm -hmm. better, better quality of time. To experience. Uh, more social, so buying things to have dinners for people to come around or buying food that I know is going to make my family healthy, spending things that are going to uh, help me feel good within myself. If I go out and, and blow money on something that's not going to achieve any of those things, um, especially in a position of that I am with two children and a family to support, you know, you need to be smart with your decisions. And if it's clear that the value's there, then you go and you invest mm -hmm. that. So how, many times, so how many times do we as the consumer condition ourselves before we even pick up the phone? So what I'm saying is how many times does the consumer look at something and says, wow, that's not for me, the value's not there, wow. I can't afford that car. Wow, I can't afford that house. Wow, I don't look like that girl in the leggings. Wow, look at that guy doing that bicep. My body doesn't look like that. Are all those people down at that gym? Sometimes we put the wrong information into the platform and therefore the consumer conditions themselves and we don't allow the club the, the, the luxury of being able to sell the club to that person because they never make the call you know it's like when you go out and you buy a car you got you flip through the newspaper and there's your you know your comp the latest commodore for twenty thousand, and your budget's only eighteen thousand, and you don't even pick up the phone because you've already told yourself that you can't afford it it's no different with the message that goes across social media platform if you're putting in the wrong content or you're putting in the wrong graphics and not real people then you know the overweight consumer isn't going to pick up the phone and in your club irrespective of whether it's a four dollar or a two dollar a week membership you've just told them that they don't belong so in terms of, of creating some change, let's say there's some gym owners or studio owners listening to this and they're finding that maybe their message is not aligning with their goal of, of making themselves accessible and showing that value. You made a point there of showing real people and not just showing you know, someone with their yeah. own legs and butt and boobs hanging out and these guys with these big muscular shoulders and arms. Yeah that don't yeah. really relate. So, you know, a great first step could be showing more people who are, are real, who aren't intimidating, right? That could be a good first step. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, 
you know, we've always done this, Nathan, when we opened our club 15 years ago, um, and I think I said this in a podcast I did with Ruth, um, you know, I had one business model in my head and within the first week I, that just flipped because what happened was all of these people that were joining my gym were in baggy t-shirts and baggy tracksuit pants and I had come from a club where the less fabric you wore the more popular you were and I realized really quick was like holy crap my community doesn't want that my community wants something else so from that day moving forward we've always used real people from our club our video footage is people from our club and um, I strongly urge, you know, any gym owner or even PT studio owner that's listening, please use real people, get your testimonials from real people because the world is full of real people that need help. Um, and, you know, I'm all for, you know, if you look great and you, you've got a great body and you've got, you know, great biceps and the whole thing, fantastic, go show it off. But, you know, good for you that you look like that. But if we've got high obesity and we've got high chronic illness issues, that's telling you that the majority of people look obese. They don't look like the minority, which is your size 8, size 10. And we're just going to have to um, deal with the fact that people don't want to look at the, the pretty stuff anymore. They want to look at real people because then they feel that we can help them and that's what we're about. Real people helping real people in our community. Do it in your own backyard. Do you think our current message in Australia-wide appeals more to the 18 to 25 bracket with all the imagery and the messages of confidence and you're looking great and trim and fashionable? Do you think maybe we're appealing to only one demographic currently? Um, Yes, yes, I, I'll say yes to that. You know, the demographic in my own club is 70, I think it's, sorry, 72% is 18 to 42 in terms of age brackets with, say, 76% which are doing, you know, group training. So I think that's the media's fault. It's not our fault. And we tend to um, take great confidence in what the media's putting out there because, you know, they sell magazines and if they're selling lots of magazines then let's copy the message that they're sending out there and let's put that on our social media platform. Though in saying all of that though, Nathan, the biggest spend is coming from the over 45 age bracket and this is the guys that kids have now, um, you know, left home or they've gone into full-time work and um, the over 45 age bracket has more disposable income. So I think what club owners need to do is to shift away from the, the group that's spending money irrespectively anyway, what message that you're sending out and start to target the over 45 age bracket because there's a massive market out there. I changed um, some of the messages that I was sending out on my own Facebook page and started targeting this age group. And I have to say that um, in terms of memberships, that certainly has risen for us in the last three years. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And last night I was training at, you know, the local community gym where I am down in, in Frankston. And uh, you know, I'm always watching from a industry professional, right? And watching how the trainers interact with clients. You can't help but do it. And you can't help but sort of look at the way they run things. But I'm not really there. I'm not there to, to sort of give them advice. I'm there for my own experience. But... You know, one thing I saw yesterday was there was a gentleman there who uh, was maybe right in that age bracket, you said, 
maybe between 45 and 55. And uh, he was a bit overweight, looked a little bit uncomfortable and was just sort of walked through and shown basic exercises. And, you know, from my perspective where I was sitting on the bike and I could see in the mirror the whole time, I think that what that individual was craving was a bit more conversation, a bit more understanding, a bit more empathy. And maybe when we only focus on the physical movement, you know, we miss a big, big mark there. Like a lot of people want to be understood and heard. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they are. They, they want empathy. They want conversation. They want to be able to just discuss things on this, on this same intellect platform. And this is where, as club owners, we need to be careful when the older, the older age group are coming in and joining our clubs. You know, if they want a gym, well, they should be getting a gym program, not if they want. They should be getting a gym program when they join the club. We need to look at, you know, Nathan say, okay, Nathan's a 45-year-old man. Um, I'm certainly not going to get Nathan to do his first program start with one of my 25-year-old trainers. I would rather that Nathan has to wait an extra week and I give him a week free at my gym and I, to align him with somebody that can write him up a program that's closer to his age group. We need to show respect and that's what the older age group um, they want and they deserve. That's the real, reality of it. Do you think... That because uh, I know from my experience, I believe this to be true. A lot of people want to really understand and and feel empowered through knowledge, not just being sort of put through the the basics of exercise. Like the individual I was referring to before, they were doing like a seated row, and he was trying to sort of get the conversation going. It's like you know, what does this work? How's it work? And yeah, other, just like yeah, and then just point him onto the next area and kind of cut the conversation off. So. What do you think would be a, some insights you might be able to share, Mel, or some ideas that could help someone listening who's very much robotic? Right, Mel, we're starting here, we're doing your warm-up, we're doing your mobility, we're moving into your main body, your session. Okay, now here's a few things to remember when you go home. How can we start bringing in a little bit more empowerment as opposed to just the, the bread and butter of the movements themselves? As a trainer, take a great big step back and look at the whole situation as a consumer. It's as simple as that. How would you feel if you're going to buy a product in the shop and the person in the shop just said to you, this is a stop button for the microwave, this is a start button for the microwave, it's got defrost and that was it. How would you feel if that's how you were spoken to when you went to JB Hi-Fi? This is start, this is stop. That's all you need to know. Don't worry about anything else. Just take it home, take it out of the box, and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Seriously. Now, young people... I'd feel feel judged as if to say I'm an idiot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, you never, ever know who you're dealing with when you take a person out onto the gym floor for a program start. That person might just be qualifying you. Okay, that person may have some money in their back pocket. They might be thinking about booking 10 PT sessions with you. They might be wanting to go and swipe their card at the front desk for something else. They might be taking you through the interview process. Every time you take a client through their first program start, they are interviewing you, not the other way around. You need to earn their respect. Just because you have a certificate on the wall, that means jack shit to them. They don't care. 
Prove your worth to them. Show them what you know so that they respect you as an individual. And yes, they do want to know what you're doing. You're, you're in the health industry. Do you go to the dentist and open your mouth and just say, go for it? You want to you wanna, you wanna know. You want to know. Somebody's taking blood from you. Just say, put your arm out and say, take whatever you want. Seriously. So you, you need to show that you know what you're speaking about. You need to earn their respect. And if you don't know, if that person sitting there says, hey, Nathan, I had a knee reconstruction six months ago. And you can't answer their question if they go, if they ask you more, you know, like, what can I do? What I can't, what can't I do? Is this going to help me? If you can't answer that question, be honest. Say, you know what, Nathan? I don't know much about knee reconstructions because I haven't been in the industry long. But you know what? The more senior PT manager, he does know. How about I make a time for you to sit down with him next week and we'll go through this with you so that you're going to reach your goals. Be honest and upfront with the client. If you don't have the answer, tell them. They'll respect you more for that than as opposed for you to bum fluff your way through it. Mm. Absolutely. My... Um my uncle got me down to the gym that I currently go to and, you know, he's extremely fit. He's not a trainer, but he probably knows more about health and fitness than most industry professionals because of the amount of time he's been in the game. And he made a comment to me on the weekend. He said that um, a lot of the, the people in a the gym, they'll sit behind the desk and just give you a nod when you come in. And he said, you know, in basic business, he runs a very successful cabinet-making business. And he said it's all about the relationships and he said, I don't understand why a lot of these individuals don't walk around and engage and show people a few tweaks and ask them how they're going and have a laugh and make them feel really welcome. Do you think um, the reason that starts to happen, Mel, in that people join a gym, maybe they're on a $25 an hour and they just sit behind a reception or they just sit at the desk waiting to write programs and they're not engaging, what is the reason that they don't want to engage? Is that like a top-down thing that maybe the management and the, the leadership crew don't really set that example? Or do you think it's maybe a confidence thing? Why, why isn't there more engagement? Um, you know, the head is only as strong as the neck that holds it up. So this is a culture thing, and the culture is created by those that own the clubs. It's as simple as that. So if you've got somebody on the front desk getting paid $25, $26 an hour and they're not trying to learn the names of the people that come through, if you're paying somebody $25, $26 an hour and they're not going, hey, I've got five minutes free, I'm just going to take a walk through the gym floor, pick up a few weights, check the bins, nod my head, say hello to a few people. If, if, if you've got staff that aren't doing those things, it's not that person's behind the front desk it's your fault as a leader because you created that culture it's as simple as that you can't blame anybody else but yourself I would assume and I hope this is true that most gym owners have systems in place in their club and that they have policies and procedures and that every time a new gym shift starts there's a list of things that need to be done and part of those things are walking the gym floor to check that the gym floor is safe. And whilst they're doing that, what's wrong with speaking to people out there? I mean, this is all part of the job description. If you're not including those things in the job description, you can't blame the person behind the desk. That's not fair. 
This comes from the person that, that, that owns the club. They create the culture. So, no, it's not the person. If the person's deliberately not going out on the gym floor, if they're deliberately not doing what's on their job description, then that's a different conversation altogether. But it comes from the top, Nathan. It's, it's as simple as that. Your business is only as strong as the culture that you create with, within it. It's as simple as that. And it's a great point I think we've come across here because you think about a lot of us have our favourite places to go out and to, to eat and to socialise. And one of the key factors, um, one of the places we like to go around the corner, one of our friends, Paul, runs a groove train there. And he is such, he's not like a big, um, gregarious, loud guy, but he knows everyone's name who comes in. He knows what they do and he'll have a conversation and a laugh with them and they come back all the time. Yeah. But the thing is when people move and if he's taken out of that equation and the food's exactly the same, chances are that it won't, that experience will change because people aren't just going to a training facility because Mel can show me and explain the science of my shoulder when I'm pulling the, the cable. It's more about, you know, the feelings associated with it. And a lot of our mindset is focused on, you know, the technical element, showing that we're experts and showing that we're knowledgeable and showing we know the science and why, you know, we're better than this person and he doesn't know what he's doing and I'm more experienced. And the focus comes more on me than it is um, on the individual. And as you said, you know, who's qualifying who here? So I think that emotional intelligence and the, the personal relationship building, from my perspective, is where a lot of people fall down. And um, Jose Thomas, who runs Notting Hill uh, Mama Fitness, they're a very family-oriented facility who do extremely well. And it all comes down to how they make everyone feel when they're there. They're not, you know, talking about science and, uh, you know, the technicalities of joint function, but they help people feel valued. And I think um, from my perspective, there's very little focus on the culture and the, and the emotional side. I think maybe yeah. we're a little bit scared to, to talk about that, thinking that we're out of scope. And, you know, I, I believe that's a really big problem from my perspective. You, you know, Nathan, it's really um, quite bizarre because I, this is what I teach my own team, that for some people coming to the club, is the best part of their day. They hate their job. They don't want to go home to their family for different reasons. And coming to the club is the best part of their day. If we're not conversing with them during that time, if we're not making them feel better about themselves, again, we really need to ask ourselves, what are we doing here? You know, group fitness instructors are fantastic at what they do. They get a whole room full of people from A to B. Okay, they get them from A to B. And during that time, they have to entertain them, they have to communicate with them, and they have to congratulate them on what they're doing. Personal trainers need to do the same. And what I ask of my personal trainers when I take them on board, and most people will probably cringe at this, is I tell them they've got to go and do some group fitness classes and learn from the group fitness instructor because they're not just an aerobics instructor up there on stage going woo-hoo. These people are probably some of the best communicators in the world. They take a group of 30 or 40 people, they sell themselves to those 30 or 40 people and over that 45 minute period, they get them from A to B, they make them feel great 
about themselves and they get the, they get the job done. They communicate with them at the start, during the middle and at the end of the class. And so if you want to learn how to, to communicate with people, that's the best place to go, go to a group fitness class. These people have been trained to do that. And unfortunately, personal trainers don't get that luxury being to be trained like a group fitness instructor is trained when they go do their training because there's some of the skills that they're taught. And so maybe this is something else that we as an industry need to look at for our trainers is actually teach them how to communicate because they all communicate great with their, their mates after hours. But you can be an extrovert, um, you know, after hours, but actually be an introvert, um, you know, as a trainer. And this happens a lot. Okay, so we've spoken about a few different areas. So we've spoken about some of the, the things that we feel could challenge in terms of, you know, the govern, governing of the industry and, and how we can better support and put people through apprenticeships. And uh, just like when you're in year 10, you do work experience, whether you're a plumber or electrician, you get paid for it. And um, understanding the... Um, getting out in your own backyard and starting to have an impact on the community and starting to reach different people rather than just sitting in the gym waiting for someone to walk in. And also the importance of the relationships and the empowerment and, and how to focus more on the people who need the assistance, which are usually that 35 plus or the 40 plus, because a lot of the younger generations being, you know, the 18 to 25 might buy into the current model but where the obesity epidemic really starts to proliferate is as we hit that sort of 35 plus age bracket. So we've covered some important stuff there, but what I'd like to ask you Mel is, magic wand sort of stuff, what would you like to see change in, in two or three years when it comes to our industry and, and what's put in place? Ideally, I would love for us to become a regulated industry so that we have to answer just as, um, you know, doctors, nurses, podiatrists, you know, and everybody else in the health industry has to answer um, because we are part of the, the health industry. And we need to come together and collaborate. I want to see more collaboration with allied health professionals. I want to see, and the only way that's going to happen, Nathan, is if um, we were talking talking earlier about impact in our community that also means as club owners and personal trainers getting up and knocking on the door of our physios and podiatrists and saying hey I don't know everything I need your help I want to work alongside you and it's okay to say hey I don't know everything I want to work alongside you so I'd love to see more of that happening um, definitely what I'd like to see is if we're going to have three, you know, associations um, that we rely on for all different things, I'd like to see all three associations injecting some type of funds into the continuing education of personal trainers as a whole so that we can start to educate them in areas where they don't have the skill. I think a lot of issues that we have at the moment is that there are a lot of personal trainers out there who are giving advice on areas that they shouldn't be giving advice on. Unfortunately, because we are self-regulated, we can't really stop that. We can only bitch about that and bitching certainly not going to um, fix the problem. I think the other thing that we need to see happen is that we need to see more information, not just going out on social media, but also across, you know, television, because a lot of people still watch telly. Um, about where people should, what people should look for when they're looking for a club. 
the questions that the everyday consumer needs to ask. So I go in to join my club, I meet Nathan and, and educate them on not being afraid to ask Nathan the questions. Nathan, how long have you been in the industry? Nathan, what do you specialise in? Nathan, can you help me? Let's start to educate the consumer a little bit more on the questions that they need to ask so that they feel more confident in starting their fitness journey. Because it's not just about educating ourselves as trainers and fitness business professionals. Our job is also to educate the consumer. So, for instance, if there are consumers out there that really and truly cannot afford the gym membership, and there are people out there like that, how about we give away free information on our social media platforms to help them? Why don't we just run, you know, free 8, 9, 10, 11-week programs free to anybody in the community, you know, are you on the road to diabetes? Here's some ways to help you. What about club owners start running information sessions in their clubs the first Friday of every month? Open up your club to everybody in your community on, on you know, choosing better products in the supermarket. Um, there's so much that we can be doing freely. It doesn't need to be about the dollars and cents. Before you mentioned about... Um, obesity being you know a thing that happens at 35 plus you know i hate to say this but let's we need to go back into the schools and have a look have a look in the kindergartens have a look in the schools look in the secondary schools how many of you personal trainers out there are mums to three four and five year olds how about you go into your mother's groups and spend you know a couple of hours at the mother's groups, educating them on you know, healthy eating. How about some of you personal trainers go in and do some free educational sessions at the primary schools and secondary schools? Because not all of these kids are getting education at home and that's not their fault. There's so much that you can be doing to, to change the landscape and where we're going. Stop thinking about how we are today and start thinking about where we're going tomorrow because if we don't start to make change, then we're just going to have this dramatic health crisis on our hands that's going to put a great big strain on the healthcare system and that's going to have an impact on everybody. Who do you think needs to be on board, Mel, to help make this come to fruition? Like... Do you think there's people who could potentially push against this? Who do we need on board? We need people on board who are passion, uh, passionate, I should say. Um, we need people on board that are prepared to do stuff for nothing, okay? We're, we need people on board that, that, that don't care about, you know, their, their media profile. We need people on board that are genuine about change. Um, you know... Gosh, Nathan, we need just as many people as possible on board. Uh, we need the associations on board. Um, you know, I would love to see, you know, Fitness Australia, FitRec and Physical Activity Australia, um, you know, I'll tell you what, I would like to see them, I'd like to see them donate three or four, maybe $5,000 each to some type of two-day summit where we offer to the fitness industry to come for free and we get some great speakers in there to give us a kickstart on how we can attack our local communities to make change. So what I'm saying is let's grab a Friday and a Saturday or a Saturday or a Sunday and you know what, Fitness Australia, 
FitRec and Physical Activity Australia are going to sponsor this event um, as equal entities on board. We're going to get some speakers in, uh, on board from the Diabetes Association, from the Obese Association. We're going to get, um, you know, people like your, yourself up there speaking about what you're seeing in the industry and where you think we can make change. People like myself who have real stories to tell. Um, I think that we could do this because the, the importance of being healthy and fit are, is, is extremely important and we need to... Let, let's get the Kindergarten Association on board. Let's get the, the Primary School Association on board. Let's get the Secondary School Association on board. Let's get everybody that health and fitness touches on board and let's get our three major associations to sponsor that. Because if they're true and they're genuine about making impact, if they're true and genuine about making change, make them put a, a, put a dollar to, to this two-day workshop. As I'm speaking to you, I'm, I'm saying this as we go along. So this is not something that was a preconceived idea. Um, the only way we're going to make change is to get up and start to, to create it. So I'm putting it out there to Fitness Australia. I'm putting it out there to Dennis at FitRec. I'm putting it out there to Ben at Physical Activity Australia, putting it out there to Bill Moore at Fitness Australia. If you want to make change, you want to be the difference that you talk about, it's time to put a dollar. It's time to put a dollar to it. Let's create. Let's, let's do this. Here, I'm even going to throw this out there. The fitness show is running in October here in Melbourne. Let's create an opportunity to bring us all together and use the fitness show because I know that Sean will allocate some space there for us. Let's get let's get 50, 100 spots up available. Let's get all of these people on board and let's create a three-day workshop or a two-day workshop, whatever it takes, to start to create change. That's the only way we're going to do this. It's not about fitness industry people coming along. It's about the health industry as well. I think we can do this. And if we get the discussion open and we treat everybody as equals, Everybody's the same. I think that we can make this happen. So there is currently a annual conference known as Filex, which gets a lot of media in terms of uh, having a trade show and having you know the presentations. What do you think needs to change with Filex? What are your opinions there? Um, okay, so Filex, I've always uh, encouraged my staff to go to Filex because the industry needs something that has continuing education. And I prefer them to be in that type of atmosphere, getting continuing education to finding it online. What do I think needs to change with Filex? I think Filex needs to open the doors to fresh, invigorating speakers. I think that... Um, Oh, you know, now that, that Fitness Australia and the board of Fitness Australia own Filex and that information is out there for anybody who wants to see it, you've only got to go to the ASIC website and download company registration to see who owns what. I think what needs to happen is that we need to stop a little bit of backslapping and keep and we need to start to say that there are people out there that are gifted that need to have a fair go at, at Filex, they need to be allowed to get up and speak. Um, what do you mean by backslapping, Mel? Uh, I think at the moment, and it's something that, you know, I've noticed a lot, that they, it seems to be, I don't know, fitness, 
fitness royalty, you know, it's all about those within the circle or those that get chosen to, to speak. Anybody that's um, opinionated like myself or could cause a little bit of disruption, which is what I'm known for, doesn't get that opportunity. And I've, I've applied for Filex, I think, three times and I've been knocked back each time. And the feedback has been that people really don't want to know your story. They come for tools. And my success... Um, you know, they are the tools that I'm going to give to people. But the, but the podcast is not about me. I'm just giving you an example. So I think that there's too much of the inner circle sanctum going on and I think that that needs to stop. I think probably the worst thing that could have happened is that, that Fitness Australia became involved in, in Filex. I think, um, you know, what's happened is that we've all got this preconceived perception of what Fitness Australia was and, and that they're going to push that onto Filex and that if you're not within that fitness business royalty circle, you don't have much um, opportunity to get out there and to educate others. So what I would like to see happen is that they go out there and they, they bring fresh, new exciting people in they bring people in that are going to cause disruption they bring people in that are going to you know cause accountability in the industry because the reason that we have all of these issues going on at the moment and your post last week is a proven fact of that is that there is there's people out there that are unhappy with the the way things are and the only way that they're going to change that perception and change that culture that they have created is by allowing opportunity for others until they do that until they do that they're always going to be seen as the, the people that only work with those in the inner circle do you think there might be a little bit of hesitation by some of the registering bodies because there might be some fear around looking like it's not all together and it's not all moving in the right direction and that could be quite exposing for them. But that's okay though, Nathan, because you know what? This year at Filex, um, it was really sort of a bit of like a handover. Um, the new owners of Filex working with the old owners and, you know, it takes guts to go out there and open up your own business and it takes even bigger guts to go out there and purchase somebody else's business filex certainly aren't going to get it right in 2019 and you know for us to say or expect for them to get it right that's wrong that's wrong you have to you have to be fair about this they're not going to get it right and it's going to take a couple of years and they're going to have to find their way just like all of us do when we open up or purchase a new business um I would say to to Filex, the, the, the guys that sit on the board at Filex, um, nobody expects you to get it right. Open your doors to people that want to help you get it right. Um, you know, I'm, I love Filex for the continuing education. One of the reasons that I have a great relationship, you know, with, with Thomas Plummer is because I met him through Filex many years ago and um, Filex allowed me that opportunity. Um, they aren't going to get it right, Nathan. And, uh, yeah, by all means, expose your fears. Make, make yourself accountable to everybody because that's the only way that you're going to change. It's the only way that you're going to grow and it's the only way that you're going to give the audience what they want and that's to expose your weaknesses and allow your audience to help you grow your strengths. So I think moving forward, you made some excellent points and um, your sort of two to three year from now, breakdown in terms of passionate volunteers and clubs potential opening up first part of every month 
having like a governing body that people can answer to and go to, increase collaborations with allied health and and uh, education for the consumer through these campaigns. So what to expect when you go in and, and moving away some of the uncertainty, but then also uh, the registering bodies funding industry events that give back to, to the industry professionals that address major topics for change. I think that's, these are all fantastic perspectives you've shared in terms of what can happen. And what I'm personally, my intention is, my intention in running uh, the podcast with yourself, Mel, and also in opening the conversations with, with Dennis and, and Bill and getting everyone talking isn't to expose or to put anyone down. It's more to get that collaboration and to get us all aligned because I think when we, when we sometimes move in separate directions, a lot of us go, oh, well, I need to bring people in who believe what I believe, whereas this is an opportunity for us to, to come together and, and find some solutions working within maybe some of the restraints we have now, but creating that pathway to change and creating like a, a great forum where there's respectful conversation and we work together, we're all on board and, and we change the outcomes. Because right now, as we've mentioned, that the, the stats on obesity and the stats on preventative health aren't where they need to be. And by implementing some of the strategy you've shared today and by hearing some of the other points of view, you know, I think this could be something that can create positive change, not only for preventative health, but also to help people thrive in our industry as trainers, not be in and out within that six to 12 month bracket. So I think this has been great, Mel. I'm, I'm grateful for you sharing your perspectives and, and uh, your insights, working with the likes of Thomas Plummer, who's one of the the biggest and most influential people in the health and fitness space obviously shows that, you know, you've, you learn from the best. This isn't just um, random information, is it? Like this is, you've learned from Tom and you've worked with Tom and, and uh, being able to have your influence and your expertise direct uh, where we're going in a positive way, I think is fantastic. So are there any final thoughts or um, comments you'd like to make before we wrap up now? Um, you know, Nathan, I just want, it's, look, everybody's passionate about what they do. So keep the passion. Don't deliberately go out there and vilify people because that's the wrong thing to do. You know, work hard, show a little bit of gratitude and give back. At the same time, open up the way that you think. Think outside the square. Don't be frightened to travel outside of Australia and visit other conventions and networks and learn and learn what they're doing overseas and bring that knowledge back. I've done that and I, I strongly recommend that to everybody. I do believe that people do want to do the right thing in the fitness industry. I just feel that everybody's getting the wrong message at the moment. And I think that we really do need to come together as a great big round table, as I said to you, 50 people, 100 people, you know, put the panel up there, rotate the panel, don't have the same panel throughout the day, rotate the panel, get people up there speaking, sharing the information that they know, sharing the good, the bad, and we really can make a difference. But first of all, create an impact in your own backyard and share that success story, and then we can do it on a bigger level nationally. Excellent. Fantastic, Mel. Uh, last of all, so someone who maybe isn't familiar with you and your work, can you tell them a few places they can go to find out more about what you do and where to find you? 
Yeah, look, um, so I'm on Facebook, Mel Tempest. I have a couple of different Facebook pages, as you know, uh, Nathan. So I'm more than happy for them to join me on my personal page or my business page. Um, I do do a little bit of um, brand awareness for brain tumour research. So that's a passion for mine. So if there's anybody that's interested in learning a little bit more about that, more than happy for them to get in touch with me. Otherwise, Mel at Mel Tempest. Dot net is where I'm located. I do have several other websites, the Gym Owners Business Network, uh, and obviously our podcast. I'm more than happy to interview people for the podcast to share their information. Other than that, you know, they can just contact me through you if they want that. That's fine with me. Uh, I do thank you very much for allowing me this opportunity, Nathan, because. Um, you know, I don't get to do this very often. People are usually a little bit concerned about interviewing me because they're a little bit worried about what's going to pop out of my mouth. But um, I applaud you for doing that. And I think you're doing a great job. And I look forward to working alongside you in the future. Thanks so much, Mel. All right, guys. So that was Mel Tempest. You've got the details. I'll put them in the show notes as well as to where you can find more of Mel's work. And uh, yeah, watch this space. I'm hoping we can have some, some positive influence on redirecting uh, the compass in terms of where this is heading and uh, having a greater influence over preventive health in Australia and getting us all better aligned with better outcomes for the industry as a whole. So thanks for listening. And uh, I hope you take some key things away here, guys. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be in touch shortly. Bye for now.